This podcast is a production of Schweitzer, a United Methodist Church, transforming lives by making disciples of Jesus Christ. This series of messages is about parenting, but it's more than just about parenting. It's about a generation speaking truth and life and love and hope into another generation, the next generation. And it's not always about chronological order. It's about all of us learning to be adults. It's, all, it's about all of us growing up. It's, it's about us in a volatile and oftentimes violent world, kind of stepping in the gap and, and really helping somebody else know that there's a mature way of doing things. There's a responsible way of doing things. There's a loving way of doing things. I looked up uh, the definition of parenting on Wikipedia, and what we find is that it's the process of promoting and supporting the physical, emotional, social, and intellectual development of a child from infancy to adulthood. That's really sweet. But what's missing there? Would you say there's one thing missing there? We are in church, and yes, you win the prize today, ma'am. Spiritual. You know, it's just not, not there. But it's this, this holistic approach that we need to take in terms of, of generation to generation. You may be a parent. You may not be a parent. You may be a parent someday. You may never want to be a parent. That's, that's okay. But there is something about all of us needing to stand up in the gap and uh, help us as a culture and a people to grow up. I want to give an example of something I think is, is, is admirable. A couple of weeks ago, when um, things were at the highest tension in Ferguson, Missouri, Willis Johnson, who is a United Methodist pastor at Wellspring there in Ferguson, was present on the days in which uh, there was a lot of demonstration going on, and um, as well as other clergy were present, as well as there were a lot of good police officers that were present. Um, that kind of gets lost in everything. And at one particular tense moment, uh, Reverend Willis said he was standing kind of between a, a police officer and this young African-American male. And he looked, and, and he didn't know this man, but he saw in his face this angst, this anger, and something told him just to reach out to that guy and to hold him, to embrace him, to, to hug him, to hold him before he was about to do something that he would regret. Now, what was Reverend Willis Johnson doing? I think he was, you could say he was mentoring, he was parenting, he was standing in the gap, he was being the adult, he, he was helping. And all of us, all of us need that at times. All of us need to be that person for others. So, in this series of messages, we're going to be talking about what we need to know today, next week, what kids need to know on the 21st, uh, when to seize the moment, how to seize those teaching moments in everyday life, and then finally, how do we pass it on in terms of a sense of integrity and legacy for the next generation? What do we need to know? 
you know, one of the things we need to know is that no generation gets it all right. And every generation is going to do it differently in terms of leading, in terms of parenting. There's going to be some strengths. There's going to be some weaknesses. People like me, my age or older, we cannot say, you know, when I was a kid, by golly, that's the way it was. Or when we were raising our children, that's the way we did it. You know, we just, we just can't do that. But we all need to acknowledge that we all have our biases. And we all have our strengths. We all have our weaknesses. And so what we need to know is that each generation can kind of go from an extreme to another extreme. And the pendulum has a way of swinging. And there's this sense that the pendulum has swung maybe from placing too heavy a responsibility and too much of a load on kids to this sense of just maybe too few responsibilities and not allowing a child to struggle a little bit more and face some, and experience some real-life challenges. Now, an example of this, uh, someone my generation, Bill Hybels, is the pastor at uh, Willow Creek. He's a leading author and thinker, a man of really uh, profound influence in today's culture. And Hybels talks about the time when he was a kid. He talks about the time he's like uh, in elementary school. And his father put him on the, a plane to go to uh, Colorado and to go skiing all on his own. He just gave him the money, gave him the resources, and said, you know, you just go do that. So he had to figure out all his way of finding himself from there to the slope. He did not know how to ski. He said he learned how to ski on his own, basically on his butt, going down the slope. And Heibel says that there were two things his father told him. He told him, figure it out and do not call me. Those were the instructions. And that's what he had to do. You know, in my own parents' generation, I, I think about what they had to do. You know, a hundred years ago, um, my, my parents' generation or, or my grandparents' generation, what were teenagers doing? They were marching off as a 17-year-old to World War I. They were working on farms and in factories. Many of them were getting married. <laughs> And having kids. And not saying that was right or that was wrong or that, but there was this sense that, oh my goodness. And then 50 years ago when I was a kid, no, I wasn't a kid 100 years ago, it was 50 years ago, we had these high diving boards. Anybody remember those in, swim, in local swimming pools? I mean, they were high boards. And there were those slides that had several loops to them where you could really fall off and get hurt. We had monkey bars. Anybody remember those monkey bars? I mean, it was a prize to be able to, to come away from the playground and show your bruises and your cuts and your scrapes. There was this sense of rough and tumble. Not saying it was right or wrong, but that was the sense of, of my parents' generation, my generation, in, in what was going on. And I had good parents. I had, uh, my mother was a person of faith. Both of them were very morally responsible. They, they were good providers. But one thing my dad could never do, he could never say a word of affirmation or praise to me. And my mother would say to me, you know, um, your father, now he can compliment you to somebody else, but he could never say a, a positive word of praise to your face. It was just kind of that was the way it was. 
And then there's this shift, this dramatic shift of, of what goes on in today's culture. Not saying it's right, not saying it's wrong, but we've seen this shift where what many people call helicopter parenting or this whole approach of, of trying to do too much or, or trying to, to overly function. Tim Elmore has written a book called 12 Huge Mistakes Parents Make. I highly recommend that book. In fact, I highly recommend two books. One is Practicing Prayer by me. <laughs> and Tim Elmore's book on parenting. Uh, really recommend it. I was telling the staff when we were preparing this message, I felt like an old crotchety preacher. I was agreeing with this guy so much, but he's younger than me. He's not assaulting parents, but his idea is that we've gone from a pendulum swing from one extreme almost to another in our culture. And in his book, uh, at the beginning, he lays out this quiz, and we put this quiz on the front of your Pray, Study, Grow this morning. And I want to invite you to take this out, and as I read these statements... I would invite you to give yourself a number behind each statement. One being, this is never true. Ten being, always true for you. Just kind of rating yourself in, in what he calls the over-functioning parent quiz. So he, here's the statements. When my kid begins failing at a task, I try to help them out and prevent the failure. Two. Regarding my children's future, I nudge them in a direction I wish I'd gone myself. Three, my primary goal is my children's happiness, and that's what I hope they pursue. Four, I'm so busy I frequently relax on enforcing our house rules. Five, when my children mess up, I come to their aid and fix the problem for them. Six, I want my kids to have strong self-esteem, so I go overboard with praise for them. Seven, I find that I am unable to build a strong sense of ambition in my children. Eight, when my kids are struggling, I jump in and do it for them to relieve the stress. Nine, I buy things for my children that they want and can't seem to wait for. Ten, I affirm my kids by telling them they are smart or beautiful or gifted. Eleven, I hurt so much when my kid experiences pain or setbacks, I try to prevent them. And twelve, when parenting my kids, I focus mainly on the issues and problems at hand today. And what Elmore says is that the higher score that you rate yourself, probably the higher propensity you have in terms of overly functioning or maybe trying to rescue your child or not allowing your child to struggle or enough or not recognize that there are values in risk, in challenges, and so we can overly function and kind of hover over our kids. It's interesting that moms today, current mothers, in a recent survey said this about parents. So this is not people of my generation, it's people of the younger generation. They, they say that what's going on in most cases is that 75% uh, uh, parents are allowing internet use without supervision too soon. 
they say that 74% of parents are dressing their kids in age-inappropriate clothing. 63% of these moms say that parents overschedule their kids' lives. We're just running from this place to that place to try to do too many things. And 59% say parents give kids cell phones too early. So, oh my goodness, you know, what do you do with all this? You know, there's no manual about parenting. There's no, this is the right way or the wrong way to do something. But what Elmore says is that maybe there's a balance here. Maybe, maybe there is something between the extreme of figure it out on your own, don't call me, to uh, just hovering too much. And what he says is that there's a contrast between helicopter leaders and parents and lighthouse leaders. And so here's these characteristics. A helicopter leader just kind of hovers and controls everything. Whereas a lighthouse leader will check in and communicate. A helicopter leader is overactive, oversensitive, reactive to all these different things that might happen. A lighthouse leader is, is a stable beacon to follow. A helicopter leader follows kids around but a lighthouse leader won't chase the kids down. A helicopter leader tells the kids how to behave this, this, that, this, that. But a lighthouse leader kind of lets a kid know where they stand. It's like, uh, you know, you do ABC, you do ABC, and this is what's going to happen. If you do XYZ, then here's the consequences. A lighthouse leader defines and clarifies boundaries and expectations, whereas a helicopter leader, not so. And then, finally, the last one imposes rules and regulations, offers light and guidance. You know, sometimes I've, I really have wished that uh, the Bible, which is pretty thick, would give more specifics about how to do it. Be really helpful, wouldn't it? But it really doesn't say that much specifically about how to be a father or a mother. It lays out some basic characteristics, yes. But what the Bible does do, it gives us all kinds of principles and truths to live by that's true and good for every generation, wise sayings and statements. And no, you and I, we live in this immediate gratification, grab it, and if I can't apply this immediately right now, I'm not going to listen to it. And what I really want to stress this morning is we all need to be in the Scriptures, to have that time of doing life and time with God and focus and to look at those wise eternal truths that's good for every generation to know. In the Bible, there's a section called the wisdom literature, Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Song of Songs. And what we're going to do today is we're going to look from the message translation at the 13th chapter of Proverbs, and we're just going to have these Proverbs pop up on the screen one at a time. I'm going to invite you just to soak it in, just to let the words 
speak to your spirit, speak to your heart, speak to your mind this morning, okay? And, and let God speak to you about maybe there's one or two of these Proverbs that really is going to relate to you. Let's, uh, let's look at these words together. Intelligent children listen to their, ch- listen to their parents. Foolish children do their own thing. The good acquire a taste for helpful conversation. Bullies push and shove their way through life. Careful words make for a careful life. Careless talk may ruin everything. Indolence wants it all and gets nothing. The energetic have something to show for their lives. A good person hates false talk. A bad person wallows in gibberish. A God-loyal life keeps you on track. Sin dumps the wicked in the ditch. A pretentious, showy life is an empty life. A plain and simple life is a full life. The rich can be sued for everything they have, but the poor are free of such threats. The lives of good people are brightly lit streets. The lives of the wicked are dark alleys. Arrogant know-it-alls stir up discord, but wise men and women listen to each other's counsel. Easy come, easy go, but steady diligence pays off. Unrelenting disappointment leaves you heart sick, but a sudden good break can turn life around. Ignore the word and suffer. Honor God's commands and grow rich. The teaching of the wise is a fountain of life, so no more drinking from death-tainted wells. Sound thinking makes for gracious living, but liars walk a rough road. A common-sense person lives good sense. Fools litter the country with silliness. Irresponsible talk makes a real mess of things, but a reliable reporter is a healing presence. Refuse discipline and end up homeless. Embrace correction and live an honored life. Souls who follow their hearts thrive. Fools bent on evil despise matters of soul. Become wise by walking with the wise. Hang out with fools and watch your life fall to pieces. Disaster entramps sinners, but God-loyal people get a good life. A good life gets passed on to grandchildren. Ill-gotten gain, wealth ends up with good people. Banks foreclose on the farms of the poor, or else the poor lose their shirts to crooked lawyers. A refusal to correct is a refusal to love. Love your children by disciplining them. An appetite for good brings much satisfaction, but the belly of the wicked always wants more, a way that leads to hell. What's the word? What's the word of God that speaks to your heart and your spirit today? You know, there's nothing more humbling than being a parent. Um, Man, every parent has regrets. We all mess up sometimes. Yet what is needed is not perfection, but this sense of consistency. The sense of, this is who I am. This is what a responsible life looks like. This is what a life looks like that loves God. This is a, what a life looks like that treats people fairly. We're called, all of us, to be lighthouse leaders. And when we mess up, 
Oh, we own it. We, we, we say, I'm sorry, I was wrong. One of the hardest things I did in, in my life was about 10 years ago when I asked my three kids to lunch. And so uh, Daniel, Jonathan, Alexandra came to lunch with me. And at the time, they're in their early 20s and in their teenage years yet. And I say to them, you know, I've got this flaw. I've got this issue that I just can't seem to be able to whip. And I named it. And I asked them, do, do you recognize, do you see that in me? And they said, oh, yeah, we, we all, we see that in you. That's not a problem. <laughs> and so I said to them, you know, I am sorry. I don't want to be like that. I want to be different. And I want you to know that I'm going to put forth my best effort to change. You know what that did? That kind of loosened the power of what that was over me. And I've not been perfect since, but they were really on my side. And I kept that promise. And so sometimes being a lighthouse leader, a person, is, is owning the besetting sin, the, the it, the flaw that we need to address. And to seek help and, and to change. Yesterday was a great day at Schweitzer. We had a great serve day, and we went to a lot of different training orientations. And one of the things I learned yesterday was, I, I just I knew it, but it was a great statement that we are all flawed, we're all broken, but you can't fix or you can't build your life on being broken. So what do we do as flawed, broken individuals after we own it? You can't build on broken, but I can tell you what you can build on. You can build on grace. You can build on the mercy and the forgiveness and the love of God. And I knew 10 years ago, before I asked my kids for forgiveness, I already had my forgiveness from God. 